0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Freakishly Well Behaved Kids. Um, I'm Jody, and I um, am the sort of moderator of the call. I have with me um, my friend, sidekick, mental health counselor, play therapist, mom, and grandma, uh, June Rickley. And today we're going to be addressing uh, discipline, um, at least one aspect of discipline. So, welcome, June. Thanks, Jody. Uh, and just a little bit more um, about this podcast is um, that this one is dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children help children behave and be their best. Uh, both June and I are in a unique position to share this with you because we've been child counselors and play therapists for collectively over 25 years. Um, we're both also moms, and we've m- learned many lessons from our child clients as well as our own children. Um, so the lessons that we learn are about child development, mental health in children, but also about parenting, and this really helps us in the parent coaching and consultation that we do as part of our clinical practice. Um, One of the things we recognize in working with thousands and thousands of children and parents is that there are simple principles for parenting, and we're going to cover more of those. Uh, more than 20 of those principles for blissful parenting. So you can have traditionally well-behaved kids as well, whether that's in your home or in your classroom or in your dance class or Girl Scout group or wherever. Um, These principles are simple and life-altering. And I think maybe the best part about these principles is they don't just change the behavioral aspect of what's going on with your kids, but they enhance the relationships um, that you have with children how you feel about yourself around children, and improve your overall parenting esteem. scheme. So um, in this uh, particular podcast, we're going to talk about punishment fitting the crime kind of discipline, and, um, you know, I encourage you to stay tuned for my upcoming parenting book and to uh, check out my website at www.integrativecounseling.us. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jody Mullen and on Instagram at Naughty No More. And then just a couple more things, and then we'll get to the meat of it. Uh, we're really excited to tell our listeners about uh, Naughty No More, which is a workbook that I created with my kids and my husband to help kids make good decisions. That's available and easy to order right through um, counseling, one word, .us. I think I said .com before, but I definitely mean .us. And... <laughs> And then the other thing I'm, yeah, I just like our listeners to know because I'm feeling pretty cool, proud about it. I'm sitting here staring at it in my office. Is uh, June and I just, uh, uh, well, our workbook that we completed uh, about six months ago just came out for publication a month or two ago, and that's called Child Centered Play Therapy Workbook, a self. Directed Guide for Professionals, and that's available also on our website, but through Research, Press or Amazon, or Barnes & Noble, whatever. And that's for those professionals um, out there who are really looking for a little bit more um, knowledge in child-centered pay therapy, which is both of our areas of specialty. So, with all that being (laughs) said, we can really talk about what we're here to talk about, which is, um, you know, is having the punishment kind of fix a time. And... uh, up last week or last time, I should say, when we were talking about um, some, other, you know, some other issues and just the importance of when you're disciplining kids, that it really does, it, it really is super important that there is a, a consistency um, there. And so some just aspects of that to think about and um, <clears throat> that June and I were thinking about were like, um, you don't want to be too lenient, you don't want to like that can be a problem. Being too strict can be a a problem. Um, Not having it timed right can be a problem um, when we're talking about that kind of discipline. And also, um, if there's more than one caregiver in the home, them not being on the same page or or at least presenting a united front. So those are the kind of things that we thought we would talk about today. And the the other aspect of that, um, just before uh, we start giving you some examples and some strategies is that um, we do have, unfortunately and fortunately, a lot of examples from our clinical work. And so you know, we change all the identifying characteristics. So even though um, if you're listening, you may say like, oh, that sounds like someone I know, it's probably not because we change the gender and the age and all sorts of other things like that. So uh, anyway, just so, so that you guys know um, that, we, um, that we still maintain the highest professional and ethical. Um, regard with our clients, so even if we use um, examples from our clients. So that being said, um, okay, so let's start off, you know, June. one of the things that, um, you, that you brought up to me was that, that real importance of uh, presenting at the United front. Would you just talk a little bit uh, about that um, as a way of um, making sure, punish, so, if the punishment—let's say we get this perfectly—and <laughs> the punishment does fit the crime, um, what is how is that related to parents presenting as a united front? Um, well, I I think I can relate. Um, actually, uh, um, one of my little clients that I see, how important it is for um, this this certain child that lives in a family with both parents, and but the and the, the parents are. Are very on opposite ends of the spectrum as far as what is, um, you know, how they how they use discipline, and what has happened. What has happened it, with this little child is that um, the parents will, in front of this, you know, the child will do something, and the parents right in front of the child. One parent will say, "Okay, um, if you're not going to eat your dinner." Then there's nothing else until, um, you know, until breakfast. And then the other parent will come in and say, but she's going to be hungry. She, you know, that's not fair. She needs to eat something. And what has happened in this particular case is that, um, first of all, there is, the parents are having starting to have, like, some real marital, um, you know, discord due to the disagreements, which in turn they're blaming on this child, and also it's it becomes very confusing um, for the child and also, sorry, this is a huge run-on sentence, but it also um, (laughs) gives this child, who happens to be very bright, um, uh, let's see, the child has started to really use that, um, use that knowledge of her parents not agreeing to kind of, like, get her needs met and kind of pit one parent against the other to get what she wants. And so it's become this, huge um she sees that there's areas for negotiation based on her parents not being on the same page. hmm And and I, I think, you know, one of the a a really good rule to have as a parent, um, especially when you're co parenting, um, whether it's whether you're together or not together, um, but when there's more than one caregiver is do not let your child divide and conquer. You know, you just you really yeah. can't do that. and, and so why I had June start off with that was because um, the rest of it is, is really all going to stick to the same thing um, in terms of loving the idea of natural consequences. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we set limits and use actual discipline in our play therapy sessions and how those can help. But if those can only help if you are coming at it from a united front. Even if you don't agree, you know, you um, know, even if you don't agree, it' behind closed doors. You have to agree in front <laughs> of your yeah. child. So yeah. Yeah. Flip a or something like that. Um, that is it's that important. So we wanted to really start off with that. Um, so that like everybody um could be really clear about that. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that is the way that we set limits in play therapy sessions because part of um, what we've talked about before in some other podcasts and really was part of the idea behind this is like we have these lessons that we've learned as mental health counselors and um, credentialed play therapists that work so well in session, but we also know that they work well um, out of session, so as a parent, that you can take these things that we learned, um, you know, through our education and formalized training and apply them to parenting. So one of the things that happens in play therapy is if a child breaks a limit, and what that means is they're being either un. They're being unsafe in the playroom. So that means they might harm themselves or they might harm me or the other therapist in the session or they might destroy property. Kind of like the three, you know, um, overarching no-nos is that what we do is we tell them what they can't do and then we tell them what they can do. So for younger children, um, that becomes really important because they might not have a set of what they can do, so by saying, like, if you do this, then uh, that, uh, if you do this, right, which you, that you can't do, you have to make a different choice. And so here's what you can do. And then um, the part that we add in, uh, the therapeutic component, is how the child is feeling. So why I think play therapy limits can be helpful in deciding on if the punishment fits the crime is they kind of have to go together. So, for example, um yes. You know, if I'm in a play therapy session with a child who's using, uh, like, a plastic sword and we're sword fighting, um, those, those plastic swords actually really hurt if you get hit with them, even just a little bit. So I would limit that the child can't use the sword to sword fight in a particular way. But by then, but then the consequence was... And then you're going to not be able to play with the sand, or you're not, or you're going to have to leave the room, or something like that. That doesn't fit as well as if you can't play with a sword in a safe way, then we're not going to be able to play swords today. So you, you want to, what you want to do is make sure that it, it makes sense that those things go together. Um, and what happens exactly. a lot of times? Yeah, what happens a lot of times is that we either that that we don't make them go together or we don't time them, right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. But June, do you want to put a little your own spin on that? Uh, well, just that, yeah, they have to make sense. And and I don't know, like a lot of times I think the reason they don't make sense is because, you know, sometimes depending on what the child did, it, you know, I go from my own, um, you know, bloopers of raising my own kids is that, you know, it's just a moment of anger where you just think you're you're – you know, you're coming from a place of anger rather than a place of teaching and actually like like discipline is like I think you just said it, Jody, it's it's teaching. And so, right. um, you know, sometimes you don't when you're in that angry place, like making sense of it doesn't really either occur to you or it doesn't really matter, but yet it really does matter in order to be something that's long lasting and right. um, if the child can connect the punishment, the, you know, the discipline to what they did, then it's more likely to to stick for next time. And, right. you know, there's so many times even with, you know, consulting with parents that they'll be telling me a conversation, something their child did, and they'll say, I don't even know what he did. You know, I don't even remember what it was he did. And a lot of times they don't remember because the punishment didn't fit it, so they can't even put that together. Right. So, like, so, I mean, I think a very popular thing to do right now um, in, in our modern day is to, like, take away electronics, right? So um, we have kids that lose their phone or lose their iPad, you know, or whatever. They lose that. And so um, that's where one of the places where we see with a lot of the parents we use consultation with the punishment not fitting the crime. So, like, kids will lose their phone, let's say, for a month for forgetting to un- undo the dishwasher, unpack the dishwasher. Or we'll see kids who lose their phone for an hour who are taking pictures of their girl parts, yeah. you know, and yeah. sending them yeah. out to other kids. Yeah, so there's, like, not really a consistency. So uh, let's, to just give an example is, um, like, the other day, um, I took my daughter's phone away until she did what she needed to do, right? And so mm-hmm. the... So the idea was that, like, you have a commitment to me that you're not feeling, and so rather than be distracted by your phone, I'm going to take that for you. And, you know, and what she said was, well, no, 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 I want to listen to music while I, you know, clean my room. And I said, no, you lost that privilege because I asked you to clean your room yesterday. So you'll get your phone back when you're done cleaning your room. But if I was taking mm-hmm. her phone away, say even for a Two days, three days, a week—that um, doesn't really fit the time because to clean her room takes 15 minutes. And if I took her phone away for two days or three days or a month, even—you know—we've definitely heard people talk about that—is um, that now now she's angry, and now she also—and yeah, this yeah, is really hard yeah. for those for us older parents and grandparents—is that—is um, that like that we didn't we grew up with like not the same level of connectedness over technology. So when you take away a kid's phone, you're not just taking away like just, you know just their phone, you're taking away their connection to others and that's really important. So I I advocate for taking away (laughs) a a kid's phone, but you want to think about it in terms of, like, how long you're going to be taking it away from. Because you don't want if you take it away for too long, what's going to build is resentment, and that gets in the way of relationships. And, you know, June and I talk about this with you guys all the time, (laughs) is we want you to Mm -hmm. have those relationships not get in the way. Right. Because when that... Sorry, no, no, but like you said, if if it, if it, I had um, a teenage client and she got her phone taken away for something like really love something like a month because she didn't call when she was going to be late or something like that, and um, what happens in that case is you know this this girl. Like she was so mad at, at her mother. It was, you know, it didn't seem to fit the crime. It was, you know, she was, she was, so story short, what came out of it is not like, oh, I made a mistake. Um, You know, maybe, yes, yeah, she realizes that, but the the predominant thing she was feeling is like, I'm really mad at my mom and she's she's really ridiculous. Not, oh, yeah. I, you know, I really should call next time. She probably did learn that, but I think she could have learned that um, in a way where she wouldn't also be thinking, you know, my mom is, like, really mean. Yeah, and hi- and here's the other part, is a lot of times, particularly our adolescents, and if we all just hop in that time machine for a second, I think we can remember it ourselves, is that as an adolescent, a lot of times we think our parents don't understand us. And so that becomes when that punishment um, goes way above where the crime is, that's what the kids feel. They feel like that you don't understand them. So it's, it's mm-hmm. really important um, that you make that that especially happen with um, the, our teens. Now the other piece of that is that sometimes you can this stuff is going to be like a weird term like pre-punish, and by this I mean like mm-hmm. um, a lot of our kids, you know, they have a hard time remembering things that are very important, like um, to clean out their lunch, you know, their lunch from their backpack to give us to finish their homework, to brush their teeth. Like they need us to remind them. So rather than take something away because they didn't remember, it makes a lot of sense to hold on to it and then when they finish it, give it to them. So like if the um, first thing your kid wants to do in the morning is get on their um, get on their DS or on their you know on their electronics or something like that. They have to come get that from you after they've brushed their teeth. And this way, and, and, and a lot of this, again, goes back to this is the importance of the relationship part, because then you you don't have to take it away from them and have to have that power struggle. It's just, you know, as soon as you're done with that, you can come, you know, as soon as you're done brushing your teeth, you know, come get that from me. Let me, you know, um, take care of you for that. Because that's the other thing about discipline is, you know, June and I talked about, like, in in effective discipline, kids kids learn things, but with the younger kids, the other thing that discipline does is it helps them with structuring and containing, so it keeps them from being anxious and, well, mostly anxious, and as we've talked about before, kids who are anxious don't necessarily appear anxious, like we think about it as adults, they appear irritable, and we don't want that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that that can really work for us as parents with punishment spitting the crime is um, the idea of natural consequences and so I don't know June, do you want to take that one or do you want me to keep going <laughs> well i think um I think with natural consequences um i I think they're really they're really effective um, to be offered, like, when when, they're, when it's a safe consequence, you know, when it's something like um, even, I, I would say the one that I gave an example of previously, like, okay, if, you know, if this is how we work dinner time, where if you're, you know, if you're not hungry, then you don't have to eat your dinner, but, you know, you, you're not going to get dessert or, or anything else until breakfast. Right. If that's the rule of the house and the child chooses not to eat their eat their dinner, well, maybe if... If, if, if they don't eat their dinner, they could really they could get hungry <laughs> toward toward that time, right. and yep. that's to me that that's a safe you know that's a safe consequence. Okay, if I'm uncomfortable and if I'm hungry, I'm I'm probably not going to give up eating my dinner again. Right. Well, and, and I think I, I like there was something in there that you said it's a safe natural consequence because like if my if my kids aren't going to brush their teeth, let's say, there's a natural consequence yeah. they're going to get <laughs> It <laughs> isn't okay, but to me, like that's not a natural consequence. That's timed well. It's gonna take a, it's gonna take a while for that to happen. So timing is gonna be an important part of punishment fitting the crime things too, because sometimes it takes the natural consequence too long to develop, right? And so you don't want to, you don't want to use natural consequences that are gonna take you know, that are not timely, are not going to happen, you know, within a couple of hours of whatever it is that needs to be disciplined. And um, so you have to think about natural consequences that way, too. But you also want to think about overall discipline in terms of being timed correctly, too. So, um, so if you, you know, if something happened, like, for example, before school, like, let's say your child didn't finish their chores before school. And immediately when they get home after school, that's when the discipline happens, not like you can't wait to – well, you can, but it just wouldn't be a good idea to wait to the weekend mm-hmm. to say, oh, by the way, since on Monday you didn't, um, you know, uh, do whatever they needed to do uh, that morning, now this weekend you can't go to this party. That doesn't quite make sense. And, and I really um, think it's important not just that they be timed correctly in terms of the proximity, um, is, but also the amount of time and that it takes. So if it it takes your child, you know, five minutes to unload the dishwasher, then it's not really reasonable to, you know, make them miss an hour of TV, you know, maybe a half hour Mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. So then there's that that timing um, portion too, but I also think it is... Um, reasonable to factor in how much of an inconvenience was it to you as a parent, you know, and, and use that as part of um, your decision making too. Exactly. I'm just. Right. I, I I think that I think also. I mean, in in talking about, I I read I was reading something one day a while back, and it and it it was refer it was talking about um, you know disciplining children and something like it it just rang so you know it was so. Um, profound to me that they they were they were talking about viewing um, punishment as like rather than viewing it as crime like the child um, you know does the crime and here's the punishment to look at it instead mm-hmm. as communication and teaching, which is yeah um, you know I think you mentioned it in the, um, early in in this podcast Jody about like discipline should be used as a, as as teaching as and. And, um, you know, and at times when a child misbehaves, I mean, this is a whole other po- podcast, but oftentimes when a child's misbehaving, they may also be communicating a need that, um, yes. you know, whether, whether it be like rest or, or affection or, mm-hmm. or stimulation, whatever it is. And so, um, you know, parents can use these moments as teaching moments like how to teach the child how to effectively get needs met. Yeah, and, and I think you just, like, that made me think of something else that you said that, June, is, like, you don't want the discipline to be a knee-jerk kind of um, thing. So, like, you know, you want it, you actually, it's really behooved you, as a parent, to take, take a second and think about that, you know, what it is that you want to do so if you're you know, ticked at your kid because they've just done this or they just didn't do this, it's perfectly fair for you to say to them, you know what, I am really upset that you didn't do what I asked. Her. I'm really upset that you did this. And I need a minute to think about what the proper, you know, punishment is or the proper discipline is for that. Um, because mm-hmm. you, want to be, you really do want to be thoughtful about this. And, and I think using themes like, you um, and really asking yourself these questions. Is this too lenient? Is it too strict? Is this timed correctly? Are there natural consequences that, will, that you know, kind of leave me out of the picture, you know, um, that, that the child could learn just as easily from rather than having to have yeah. it it? So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always I have, I always, oh, I'm sorry, Jody. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say with the natural consequence one, the one that I can think of that I was never, ever good at allowing it to happen, maybe because I live in upstate New York, but I I would never, when, you know, I'd say, like, it's cold out, get a coat on before you go out, and I was never comfortable with, you know, (laughs) now, now the logical, the natural consequence, okay, if he goes out, if he's resisting putting a coat on and he wants to go out, he doesn't need one, and he goes out and he gets freezing cold, Okay, well, next time he won't argue about putting his coat on, but I always had a difficult time like, what if he catches a cold? What if he, you
0: know, right. what if he stops by? <laughs> right.
1: That's, uh, that's a funny one to bring up because we, um, my son is 10, and we meet, like, and I was feeling very uncomfortable, like you're talking about, with, like, letting that natural consequence. Um, so the, the uh, delineation we, met, we made, a deal was that he can't, and, and those of you who don't live in central New York um, at, or in the Arctic might have a hard time relating <laughs> to this, but, but uh, the, the uh, deal we made was he has to wear pants if it's under 20 degrees, but 20 degrees and above, he can wear shorts. I know that sounds crazy, but um, to school, not for not outside, fear. but to <laughs> right, 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 not Honestly, you see a bunch of kid, other kids wearing shorts to school when it's 30 degrees, so, um, yeah. and so, you know, I, I think that that is important, too, but one of the things that you can do about that, you know, is say, like, this is where I'm uncomfortable. Like, I know that you say you're warm enough, but I'm uncomfortable, and so, I, so I'm so i enforcing this, you know, and, and I get to do that as a parent. Um I do want to spend, if we just have a little bit of time left, just a minute or two talking about being too lenient with kids, and that's, that's a problem also, like that, um, it, it's not, yeah. it's, it's a problem for your kid, so um, my, the best example I have of that is a, a, a girl uh, that I worked with who was like 12 years old, and she had her own phone, and she got caught taking Pictures of her private parts and sending them to boys, and her parents only took her phone away um, for less than a week, and um, and now a week is a really long time in a 12-year-old's world. The severity of what she was doing um, was was you know warranted more than a week, but it also warranted some other pieces. And what she was able to share with me in her counseling was that. was that, like, she really didn't feel responsible enough for a phone yet. And um, it was, you know, so boys would ask her for pictures. And I know this is terrifying to some of you out there, but I, I, you know, I I feel like we need to be honest about what's really happening. Um, You know, is that boys would ask her, and she just didn't have the um, sort of strength to say no. And so um, that whole part got missed. And so... um, it wound up that I took her phone away from her <laughs> as her counselor, which is a crazy mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, but that's what she needed. She needed an adult in her life to say, like, you know, no, you, you know. And that's where the teaching and the containing and the helping them, you know, really helps. And and one way to do this when you're when you think you might be being too lenient is to really just ask your kid, do you need me to be stricter about this? You know, um, and and you would mm-hmm. be surprised. How many of them would say yes? And the other thing you can do is if you're not sure, ask your child before you give out, before you give out the consequence, ask them what they think uh, a fair consequence would be. And you will be really surprised if in most cases, not in every case, but frequently, um, their um, suggestion is stricter. Or, you know, yeah. um, than you would say, yeah. So that's a really good technique. Yeah. It's flipped around and put it right back on them. Yeah, I had um talking about a teen. I had a um, a teen girl, and she was telling me about this whatever the punishment was. And I, I, her reaction was, I said, "You seem. It seems like you're relieved about this." And she said, "I am. I don't have to. Like it's. It, it's. It almost like she, it. It." She felt relieved because she didn't have to make the choices that she didn't yeah. feel she was able, you know, mature enough or able to make. And she said, "No, because now I don't have to worry about it. No one can contact me. I don't have to make that decision <laughs> right now. And I don't." And yeah. I, I thought that was a really like a great response on her part to even to even realize, "Oh, okay, good. This also protects me." Yeah, and I, and I think the one thing that you know I'd like to leave people with is that. You know, frequently when we do these podcasts, we're really specific about um, do this with younger children because uh, it won't work with teens and, you know, that, it, that is, um developmentally specific. But for this, it is not. It will work just as well with your young adult children as it will with your toddler children. So if you mm-hmm. just have to make it fit their age group. But it's the same principle behind it is that it really does – Uh, if you're going to use, like, a consequence, it really does have to fit for the behavior or whatever else, um, the attitude, whatever else it is that you're trying to correct. So, June, we're already at the end of the show. Anything you want to say very quickly? (laughs) Ah, you know, uh, no, you take it. You know, I don't say anything very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much, June, for being here. And I promise we'll come back to this again because this is a juicy topic. Have a great day.
0: <laughs> Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing?